With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe on VSEN. The Sports Betting Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Final day of June, and we're ready to go on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM with Michael Lombardi. It's great to be back with you, Michael. I'm Ben Wilson. In for Femi, a much-deserved vacay for Femi Abebefe, but you guys just released your latest episode of the GM Shuffle yesterday, so that is yeah. now out. Femi's on vacay. Ready to go, Michael. I almost feel bad that you and I are reunited. Right as James Harden, uh, your favorite 76er of all time, Michael, I'm sure, uh, is, is you know, opting in I'm for 2023. A, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not as angry at Harden. I'm more angry about the decision for Harden than I am anything. I mean, it's not Harden's fault that Daryl Morey continued to fall in love with him. But give Morey credit. Like, look, I don't know if somebody in the 76ers ownership group said, we're not giving that guy four years at max money. And that changed the tenor of this. But if you just watch basketball, whether you know the game or don't know, you know that Harden's no longer the same player he once was and that anything over, you know, that they were going to have to pay him on a long-term deal was going to be malpractice. So this is actually a good thing for seven the 76ers. Now, what they get back for him, I don't know. But the reality here is, is at least they have that cap room or they can manipulate through salaries. And we'll see where this road all leads. You know, does it lead mm-hmm. to uh, Damon Lillard? Does it lead to pieces from the Clippers? Does it lead to a three-way trade where Harden gets to go to Houston or to Los Angeles? I, I don't know, but it'll have to be worked through. But when you tally it all up, when you what Simmons what they what for the return for Simmons and what they gave up, the three players along with the draft choices. And then you add this in, it's going to be an interesting tally, Ben. But look, free agency is ready to begin. I will say this to end before I, I throw it back to you. I think this salary cap has changed people's opinion on who they're going to give these max contracts to. We see Kyrie Irving's having a hard time getting what a deal he wants down in Dallas. Harden's not getting what he wants. That's why he opted into 3.5. So it's going to be interesting to see what the, where this leads us. No question. And you think about where where Harden is at and, and just where Philadelphia is in general here. And if you missed it from last night, surprisingly, at least based on what we all anticipated, what we're told with the offseason reports, picking up his $35.6 million option, but expected to be traded at some point. I just look at the 
know, we've seen evidence of this before, though, Michael, with Daryl Morey as a GM. Happened with Ben Simmons, and he said, okay, you want to be traded? Your value clearly is not where you believe it is, and that's why you're, you're trying to leverage yourself and force our hand here as the Sixers front office. I mean, they waited pretty long with Ben Simmons. They, they, they did not hurry yeah. and did not want to make sure they just got rid of him for 40 cents on the dollar. Everybody seems to be in love with the, oh, well, the L.A. Clippers make sense. They've got you know, Terrence Mann and some, some other pieces that don't really provide all that much value. I, in what world does Philadelphia and Daryl Morey actually do that deal? And, and there's not many other teams where the cap room and, and the pieces really make sense for Harden. So I don't, I don't see this just happening overnight and, and being one of these trades you see that gets done well before training camp kicks off. I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make a lot of sense, Michael, if we get toward the, you know, the, the very couple-week final stretch before the season starts and Harden is still a 76er? Well, I think they're going to have to look there. You know, there's two things in all of contracts, right? There's this, the player, and then there's the dumping the salary. So, you know, if they take back players that, that give them some flexibility in terms of their contracts going to expire, you know, that they pick up some flexibility. So we'll see. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think the market's going to be as robust as many might think it would be. You know, I know that they mentioned, you know, Norman Powell and Robert Covington. I mean, the Sixers have already had Robert Covington, you know, and so they want to go down that road or Morris, you know. I, I, I got to think they're going to have to get a third team involved to get what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So we shall see. But, you know, look, it, this market, the reason a guy opts in is because he doesn't have a market above where he is. And at some point that's got to dawn on you. And whether they can make the right deal with the Clippers or not remains to be seen. Right. And Sixers GM Darryl Moore has been on the record. He has said his whole philosophy of, upon building a team to win a title is – I want to have two stars, and that's why he went after Harden in the first place to pair with Joel Embiid. But you look at a guy in James Harden who has perennially come up short in postseasons. His latest postseason goes 7 of 27 from the field, 1 of 11 from 3, and was a minus 40 in the last two games he played for Philadelphia this last season against Boston. So what team with a legitimate star that Philadelphia likely would want is going to say yes to a a swap-for-swap, like-for-like deal? I just don't see it when you look at the numbers for Harden. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it, it's going to be a challenge. And Houston, you know, I thought with uh, Adoku going down there uh, as the head coach that, you know, that was going to stop that love affair for Harden. Because, I mean, he knows Harden. He's watched it. Like, he knows the strengths and the weaknesses. And, you know, I do think the Clippers make sense. But when you sit there and play around with the trade machine, it's kind of a hard deal to come up with, right? You know, oh, absolutely. it's kind of because the sick, you know, and like, what are you getting back? So you're going to need a third team involved somewhere, somehow. I, and I don't know. I mean, this is going to look Mari, I thought, made a horrible deal for Simmons. I mean, he could have had Halliburton and he could have had Buddy Heal. I mean, there could have been a lot of other possibilities, but he was fixated on Harden. And he gave up, you know, look, Seth Curry, he gave up Drummond. Okay. You know, they gave up some pieces, but they gave up two draft picks, too. I mean, this is a team without any draft picks either. So I, I, they gave up a lot to get Harden. It's going to be interesting what they recoup back. Right, and, and you're looking at uh, a, a cap for this upcoming season, 2023-24, $136 million. The luxury tax expected to go up to $165 million. Again, NBA free agency officially beginning today, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock, where I'm at in Vegas on the West Coast. This Harden news coming uh, to, to kind of kick off this wave of free agency, but I thought what Adrian Wojnarowski said last night on ESPN was, was very prescient and telling in all this, Michael, and it's that, at least in NBA circles, they don't really view, like, the free agency itself is not really the big mover anymore. 
it's the actual contracts because you're you're seeing yeah. more and more players hold these teams hostage, and it's really about the contract and less the actual team and where that player is is signing with, and and that's yeah, that's the thing to me. I think a lot of betters look at this and. And, and I wonder when the market will stop overreacting to some of these these huge blockbuster moves where you continually, time and again, see these deals that are created that look really, really good when they're signed and on the surface, but a year, two years later, you look back and you just you're left shaking your head. You know, I, it's funny because like I, I think to me the the new CBA is really making it very challenging. You know, not only do you go over the, the, the threshold and, you know, you're, you now have a hard cap and you can't manipulate it. And how much does your owner want to spend on the luxury tax? And so, you know, there has to be some sense of fiscal responsibility. I mean, you know, the Rams go all in to win a Super Bowl, but they have to now pay the piper in terms of their salary cap restrictions. We have not seen that as much in the NBA to a degree. So, uh, is there money out there? I'm sure there is. Is there money out there for a guy who wants to max his contract who doesn't seem like he's playing at this highest level? No, there's not. And the same thing with Kyrie Irving. I mean, who wants to inherit those problems and then spend $200 million to inherit them? It's it's baffling, at least on the Irving front. And he, uh, him and uh, James Harden, they're going through the same exact thing right now. <laughs> Don't have the market valuation they thought they'd have, and now they have these, yeah, these potential uh, giant salaries that the teams would be saddled with so that's where they look for the trade you know the other thing and we had the adrian wojnarowski tweet from a second ago and this was a big talking point from late last night michael when it broke clippers knicks the two teams believed to be engaging with the sixers on a potential james harden trade can we explore this the knicks thing though for a couple minutes because why would new york have any interest in harden when they have already made it known it, it is not yeah, a, I mean, it is Brunson. not a, right when it's not a secret that that the knicks have been in love with Joel Embiid since he came into the league. And if things were to fall apart in Philadelphia, who knows what that happens. It obviously depends on where James Harden goes. The Hall Philly gets back for him. But if Embiid was to all of a sudden want out of Philadelphia, like that is the guy the Knicks want. They've made it, they've made it obvious for some time. Harden is not a part of the equation whatsoever, don't you think? You know, I don't – I mean, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, well, well, why would, why would the Knicks want Harden? Harden's a ball-dominant guard. Like they have Jalen Brunson, who's a really good player, you know, and he, and so why would they want to go down that? Then I heard the Miami Heat could be involved with Harden. Why would Hart, Why would Miami want to go down the Harden road when they have Jimmy Butler right there? It doesn't make sense to me. Like it, it like how are you? I mean, Harden wants to go somewhere where he controls the ball. Now, the Clippers make sense. You got Paul George, you got Kawhi Leonard. You know, that kind of makes sense. And they've been looking for a point guard for some time now. So, I mean, I get that one. I mean, look, Harden's not a complete disaster. He's not a great defensive player. His, you know, getting to the rim is becoming a problem more and more now in terms of getting the calls that he expects. He expects them on every single play. But, you know, to me, when the level of of play goes up, he doesn't rise to the challenge. That's got to be concerning. No, no question. Look, at, the, at the same time, it's a guy who still led the league in assists last year, but numbers can only mean so much when you have a track record of underperforming in the biggest moments, and that, that is the case uh, for James Harden. So fascinating to see how this all plays out. Again, I don't, I don't assume or expect we see anything uh, with even, even in the next month or two as far as Harden movement. It just would not, would not jive with what Daryl Morey as a GM has done in the past. But again, free agency starts 6 p.m. Eastern today. We'll see what big moves are made. I know you'll be here over the weekend, Michael. We'll see what oh, what uh, what splashes are made on the show today. Excited uh, excited to bring on our guests 
A little bit later on in the show, we'll have Charlie Goldsmith, who covers both the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Your Super Bowl champion pick, Michael Lombardi. Uh, so we, we need to dive deep dive into what's what's going on there as the Bengals get ready to open camp. And then the Sports Betting Hall of Famer, Vinny Maliulo. Did you know, Michael, that Vinny was on a, a, a Las Vegas PBS sports betting roundtable a couple days ago? No, I did not know that. Yeah, I love this. It, yeah. it was a motley. Cr- I mean, Bill Eighty was on the was on the panel oh, as well. Oh, I love that. So, yeah. but Bill, Good I saw a picture oh. of Bill uh, Bill wearing wearing sunglasses on the Las Vegas PBS set. So I had to give a shout out to well, you uh, know, Bill I mean, Bill's a changed man. I mean, you know, he's <laughs> he's, a, he's got a you know he's got a house now. I mean, this for the first time in his whole tenure in Vegas, he's actually got a commute. I, exactly. Well, we're excited to have Vinny on, the, uh, the sports betting Hall of Famer who helps run things over at the South Point. He'll join us a little bit later in our number two of the show. When we return, though, Michael, we, we will talk a lot of AFC North uh, on the show today. Also get into some of the new head coaches around the NFL as we've got a lot of NFL talk to get to right here on the Lombardi Line. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VSEN.com slash picks page. You can sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VSEN experts leaderboard to view betting records profit and ROI and see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Sign up now for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. And that's not only NFL futures, but also daily baseball. We have the Wimbledon. I know you're excited, Michael, for the, for the Wimbledon to start. I, I'm jealous that you're on the East Coast. This is like the one time I wish I lived on the you East Coast. You love Wimbledon, huh? Wimbledon? You love Wimbledon, Wimbledon, huh? Yeah, yeah. Good. Nothing like a good breakfast at Wimbledon while you sweat a uh, love it. Yeah, <laughs> a three three player parlay. That starts Monday. Draw just came out bright and early this morning, and got you know we got F- Formula One betting going on right now. I walk in the studio and immediately get barraged by my my podcast co host Mikhail uh, Miranda, our our uh, audio engineer today. Just 
He's, he's you know, upset about uh, all upset about Sergio Perez botching another uh, qualifying run. So there's a lot going on right now, Michael. You, you, you wish you How were... is the Formula One in Vegas coming along? Uh, it's it's a lot of money. <laughs> the the, uh, the for FIA continued to want Formula One continued to want more money from Las Vegas to keep uh, to keep infrastructure going. I think they asked for another forty million. And it's like, you're, you're Formula One, you're worth like an unlimited amount of money and you continue to want Las Vegas to pay for things. So uh, we'll see. It's been a nightmare trying to get to the strip. So that, that, yeah. there's that. Um, that's about it though. But yeah, that's the second, that's the penultimate race of the year, Thanksgiving week, which uh, I, I'm fascinated to see how I believe all hotels are already sold out the entire Thanksgiving week. So if you're no, trying I to mean, come to what Vegas. A, what, a, what, a, what a fall in winter. The Formula One, the Super Bowl, Vegas is going to be just wow. Yeah, and I, I don't think we've talked since the actual uh, the schedule came out for NFL. And for me, as a Wisconsin guy, but who you know usually hosts our live uh, live betting NFL shows on the weekends, I could not have been more happy to see the Packers get a Monday night game at Allegiant Stadium against the, the Raiders. Yeah, so I, I will be there October. I think it's October seventh. Cheesehead, there you go. I'm yeah. over under fifty thousand uh, cheeseheads at, at uh, Allegiant that night, Michael. Well, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about a team being in Vegas. You know, there's so many transient play. I mean, I can remember being a, a coach at UNLV, and we played Wisconsin one year. Yeah. And obviously it was out of our class, but the Sam Boyd Stadium was filled with red from Wisconsin because there were so many Wisconsin people from Madison or the state of Wisconsin living in Vegas, and that's only manifested itself even right. further. So, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the great thing about Vegas. There's a lot of different – uh, fan bases, and then there's still the Raider fan base, which comes in from Los Angeles. I mean, don't minimize that. I mean, that those sure. Raider fans in Los Angeles are strong, and they have they have the flights from the game day flights from Oakland and LA. You know, f- real quick, funny story about that that UNLV Wisconsin game you mentioned, because uh, I having done games for UNLV, I heard the I, the the story is oft told of how UNLV used that game when they played Wisconsin as the marketing material for Sam Boyd Stadium and for the football program for for years after the game. Because every seat was taken, it was a sea of red, yep. and you had no idea who was a Badger fan or a, or a Rebel fan. And they used right. that picture exactly. on the panorama for, for like a decade, which I found hilarious. Yeah. Well, well, it's true, because earlier we played, I think it was, we, we played BYU, and it was filled then when BYU came to town. I can still remember, our, we had a nose tackle, and Bart Oates was the center for BYU, and I don't think our nose tackle ever got off the line of scrimmage. I mean, his, <laughs> you know, it just was like... It was like I'm saying, oh, my God, this is the best football player I've ever seen in my life. Bart Oates, the center, went on to the USFL. But, you know, that was all filled with blue. It was covered in blue from BYU with the Lavelle Edwards day. It's, it's so, so Steve amazing. Steve Young, yeah. Lavelle Edwards. A- I mean, you know, I mean, think about that. So think about some of those teams. Wow. And, yeah, the, and the BYU presence is still very, very strong in Vegas, especially when, when BYU football is good. You see a lot of betters coming to town and uh, yeah. make, make bets on the Cougars. So we think about how the, you think about the Raiders and that home schedule this year. Like you have, you have Jets, Packers, obviously within the division, Broncos, Chiefs, who always bring big, bring big fan bases. Pittsburgh will be another one with a ton of road fans coming here to Las Vegas. But uh, as we take a look at some of our, our head coaching topics for this 2023 season on the heels of our newly released VEASAN NFL betting guide for 2023 officially came out Wednesday. All right, yesterday, you are heavily featured in that, uh, Michael. And in talking about these new head coaches, Sean Payton is your leader in the clubhouse as far as the coach of the year odds for the new guys coming in 9-1 to one, as a, a guy with Super Bowl pedigree coming now to Denver. As you've kind of dug in deeper and deeper, though, into the whole Denver infrastructure, Michael, uh, how, do, how do you view this the start of the season going a lot of betters are interested in the season-long win total, looking at an over on Denver. But how do you think things look here in the first couple weeks when you have a new head coach 
And you have a lot of moving parts changing around a quarterback, Russell Wilson, who's trying to make a comeback. Well, I, I, one thing about Sean is Sean's going to be game-specific each week on the opponent that they're going to play. So, you know, that's really going to be able to narrow the focus of the game plan and, and really reduce it down as he faces against Patrick Graham in the opening game of the of the Las Vegas Raiders. So I, I don't think it'll be. I, I think what will be interesting to see what Russell does in terms of Will he step up in the pocket? Will he climb that ladder? You know, one of the things that happens to older quarterbacks is they get hit so often. Their eye level comes down, and they react to things that are not there, and they start to want to escape. It's happened to Matthew Stafford. I mean, and certainly for good reason. He's gotten hit way too much, you know. And so, like, for a young player like Justin Fields, who's been sacked 91 times, he hasn't really gotten his eye level down because his instinct is to run. So And he's so young. He hasn't gotten that multitude of magnitude of hits. But when you're like Russell Wilson and you're constantly trying to go right or go left quickly, even if the protection's good and all you needed to do is just step up. Think about the Brock Purdy play in Philadelphia, the opening drive of the 49er game, of yeah. uh, their drive you know, after they were behind 7 nothing. If Brock Purdy just climbs the ladder two steps, he's not going to get his elbow injured. And yet, you know, he didn't quite, you know, it was there, but he just didn't react quick enough to that. That's really important in a quarterback. And when you're watching quarterbacks play, you really want to pay attention. Does he climb the ladder? Does he work the pocket north and south? You know, you don't want to go backwards, so you want to work it moving, going in that direction. And Russell has really not done a good job in that. Now, Sean's going to have to correct that, and we'll see. You know, it's one thing to complete passes, which people all seem to love. It's another thing to work the ball down the field. I mean, when you look at Matthew Stafford's numbers over the course of the season, he was throwing checkdowns. Same thing with Russell Wilson. Can he work the pocket? And I think if Sean gets him to do that, then they'll be a better team and he'll manage the game differently because Sean will run the football more effectively. Are they going to be good enough? We shall see. Are they good enough on defense? I think that's the fundamental question. Mm-hmm. You know, they, yeah. they were once a very good defense. Are they still that? I'm not sure. And that's what makes the first couple of games. That's why I want to look at the early part of the schedule for Denver so fascinating because you, you are set up pretty favorably from an overall schedule standpoint. You get the Raiders and Commanders at home back-to-back weeks to start your season, but those are at least two defensive lines who you figure will, be, will have a good chance of getting pressure on Russell Wilson. And I have to think, we're, we're going to see right away, you talk about stepping up in the pocket and, and, and the level of comfortability we see with Russell Wilson out of the shoot. Isn't that going to be pretty telling first two weeks where you, you should be set up to have success, but you know that those opposing defenses are going to try to blitz you and pressure you as much as possible. Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. I mean, when Russell was humming good, you know, when Russell was playing well and, in his second year in 14 when, when, he went to the, when he went to the Super Bowl and lost, or the year he won the Super Bowl in 13, he averaged 8.2 yards per attempt. Last year he was down to 7.3, and he's been on a slowly decline in that area. And his rushing numbers have been on a slow decline. Now, last year, you know, he was able to run for more yards than he typically had done, but he's not running, you know, he's not running to the level that he needs to run. You know, and so that that becomes an issue, and that means he's not working the pocket. He's just trying to kind of scramble out of there and move around, which it becomes. And I think if Sean sees that, then I think that's going to be a real issue, and they'll have to fix that. But, you know, you can tell pretty much clearly whether he'll work the pocket. I mean, think about this. He he threw in the last two years, he's thrown 40, 41 touchdown passes over the last two years. In 2020, he threw 40 alone. 
pretty amazing when you when you when you phrase it like that. And that, that's why I look at Denver. There's been a lot of love for oh Russell Wilson to win a you know a comeback player of the year. It's like okay, he's coming back from just being bad uh, last year. Or Wilson is like a long shot MVP. But wouldn't you think? I mean, for Denver to have success, it's it's going to be a, a dual threat offense. Sean Payton is the one who who, who has the keys to the car. He's going to drive this you know drive drive the car here as far as what he wants to see and how they break down their overall offensive play calling and. If it's a situation where they are they are more run heavy than people might think, I, I don't know. I look at that and say that's probably the key to success for Denver, where you're at least limiting the exposure to Wilson and you're you're putting him in positions to succeed instead of the opposite, which was last year, him freelancing, him trying to do everything all on his own. I, I keep going back to that as a key to success for Denver this year. Well, I think too, you know, one of the things you have to get from a quarterback is when the play breaks down, what does he do, right? That's one of the criticisms of Derek Carr that said second play, where does it come from? I mean when Wilson was going good earlier in his career, this is when he was most dynamic. I mean, he would, you know, in, in 2014, we're getting ready to play them in a Super Bowl. He had 47 first downs rushing. 47 first downs rushing in 16 games. I mean, so you, you, you had to contain him. Last year, he had 21. The year before, he had 17. So what, what that's telling you is he's just trying to escape. And those numbers have slowly declined over the course of time. I mean, last year he rushed for 277 yards, which would have been the second lowest rushing total, only to his total the year before at 183. And that's why you say all the time, coaching matters, full write-up in our newly released NFL betting guide from you, Michael, on, on Sean Payton and all the other coaches in the NFL. We'll talk some Cincinnati Bengals and Reds with Charlie Goldsmith on the other side. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abbefe, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes. You can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. As we welcome you back, I'm Ben Wilson in for Femi today. Femi back in the Midwest, and we're about to go back to the Midwest uh, as well, Michael, because our NFL betting guide is now out. bunch of people, including you, have selected the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl in, in early 2024. So let's talk to a guy who covers the Bengals. And apparently, I mean, I didn't realize this, but apparently Cincinnati is just the place to be right now for not only sports, <laughs> but, but all entertainment. It's Charlie Goldsmith from the Cincinnati Inquirer joins us right now. You got the Reds in first place in the NL Central and uh, Taylor Swift performing starting tonight at uh, downtown Cincy. I mean, what a, what a time to be alive there down in, uh, down in the Queen City. It's funny walking to work today, coming to the Reds game, and they're blaring Taylor Swift music, and they've got, like, the makeup stations and the, the cowboy hat sales. Oh, boy. And I'm just here trying to watch uh, Ellie De La Cruz and Fernando Tatis. Uh, two very different experiences going on across the street. Uh, you could say that, uh, yes. Just, just, just slightly two different experiences. I obviously want to talk a lot of Bengals with you today, Charlie, but from, from the baseball perspective here, uh, Brewers have continued to be a minus-money favorite to win the NL Central, but the Reds are in first place. At one point, we're in the 50-60-1 to range to win the division. They're now well under 10-1 to 1 here. How sustainable is what we're seeing from the Reds and their sensational rookie, L.A. De La Cruz, in your opinion? Well, what we're seeing from the lineup is completely, sens- or is, uh, completely sustainable. Ellie De La Cruz, he's been solid statistically, but he hasn't even made the big adjustments that you always see rookies make against breaking balls and change-ups. That's consistently the biggest adjustment rookies have to make. Ellie has been great, even though he's still figuring those pitches out. 
I see a lineup that's one of the best in the entire National League. The starting rotation is the question. The thing is, will they be able to stand first until the trade deadline? If they do, I expect them to be very aggressive buyers, specifically for the rotation. And if they make that point and then add to the rotation, I think they'll be the most talented team in the NL Central. Charlie, we were talking off air about Taylor Swift being there and, and all the things that are happening, right? And so, uh, you know, you mentioned that this Taylor Swift concert, will, will the, the, the Bengals will, Mike Brown and his team will, will benefit a little bit from Taylor Swift being there. And that money will go directly towards T. Higgins and, and uh, Joe Burrow. How is the Joe Burrow negotiating going? Well, usually, you know, with Mahomes and Josh Allen, you don't see the deals become official until late July. The Bengals are in that process now, especially with a focus on Burrow and Higgins. Uh, the whole thing, though, is getting the upfront guaranteed money, which for an organization like the Bengals, they call themselves a small market team. Uh, they have been putting a lot of work in to get that upfront money. That's why they've sold the naming rights to the stadium. That's why they've built and sold the rights to the practice facility. Each gate now has its own sponsor. The Bengals are in the process of, you know, accumulating the upfront money, negotiating and balancing what that looks like between Burrow and Higgins. They'd like to keep linebacker Logan Wilson as well. Um, I've heard no doubt concern whatsoever. The expectation from everyone in the building is that Burrow will be a Bengal for a long, long time. They do need that structure first before they can really get the Higgins extension finalized. But lots of optimism this offseason on keeping the long-term core in Cincinnati. Yeah, and he's Charlie Goldsmith. Give him a follow at Charlie G underscore. Score covers both the Bengals and the Reds, and now apparently Taylor Swift for the uh, for the Cincinnati Inquirer. That's, that's just part of the job, I suppose, when, when the Swifties yeah. come to town. Uh, and you think about where, where the Bengals are at now, and you, you go into this season where it's always fascinating from the betting perspective when you have that team that is projected to make the leap and, and take the next step. Everybody thought it was Buffalo and Josh Allen who were ready to take that leap last year. As you you know, they, they fall flat in their face in the divisional round to the Cincinnati Bengals at home last season. Cincinnati kind of feels like they're in, they're in that position now. You have Burrow still on a rookie deal, playing lights-out football. When you look at the overall construction of the team, what is a, a hole or two that, that you believe still has to be fixed if the Bengals are to get over the hump and, and reward betters, who are many of whom are betting Cincinnati in that 9-10-1 range to win it all this year? Well, when we talk about holes, first we have to mention after a decade of talking about how bad the Bengals' offensive line was, this is their best offensive line since 2015. It's a phenomenal group with Orlando Brown Jr. now. But in the secondary, they lost safety Jesse Bates. They lost safety Von Bell. Dax Hill, a second-year player, former first-round pick coming in, has an opportunity to be, the, to be the best playmaker they've had on the back end in a while. But will he consistently be in position and on the same page and executing audibles and all those little things that Vaughn and Jesse did so well? They signed Nick Scott from the Rams. He's one of the faster safeties in the NFL, uh, uh, plays at a million miles per hour with his hair on fire type guy who can cover a lot of ground and uh, help in coverage against a wide variety of players. But how quickly do they gel, especially because safeties and good safety play and consistent safety play, that's what you need against Allen and Mahomes. So that's the big question now heading into camp. Yeah, I mean, that that's going to be the communication. And how has Lou Amaromo handled that in terms of getting the communication from the secondary? I know a lot of coaches in this offseason have put in, have basically tried to put microphones in the free safeties uh, so they can have better communication to get them dialed into the right defense. How has that been going in the spring? It's yeah, so one of the big questions that they don't have a final answer to yet and I don't have a final answer to yet is who wears the green dot? 
on the defense this year who's going to be communicating the plays because forever that had been Von Bell. He had been the vocal leader of the defense, one of the smartest players in football, one of the most versatile players in football. Now without him and with two new safeties, like I mentioned, maybe that responsibility goes to Logan Wilson in the middle of the defense this year. You're going to have to see different guys playing different vocal roles. But at the end of the day, there are things only safeties can do. It's going to be up to, to Dax Hill and Nick Scott come, or getting up to speed very quickly. In their favor, though, the Bengals drafted Hill and signed Scott. Their intangibles, their IQ, their leadership, very high on what moved them on their boards up in the draft and in free agency. So the Bengals do have confidence. They did get these guys for a reason that they're hoping makes it a quick process. Yeah, and you think about the, the schedule as well. That's what, it, from the betting perspective, we now turn our attention to when you think about a win total that's 11 and a half. It is plus money if you believe the Bengals match their at least match their 12 wins from a season ago. So as you look at the schedule, at least based on the opposing win totals of teams they're facing, it is it's certainly not easy. 20th on overall strength of schedule, so one of the 12 hardest in the league. Uh, but at least you get San Francisco off of a bye, so extra rest for that game. What do you make of the, the overall schedule as a whole as you, as you take us through it here, Charlie? So last year, the 2022 schedule had the most difficult second half that I've seen in my entire life looking at any NFL team. They basically played every playoff team and every great quarterback, and they didn't lose in the second half of the season. So when you look at this now, like comparatively, you have the Texans pop up in the middle and you have the Colts pop up later in the year. And, you know, you end with Steelers, Chiefs, Browns. That's nowhere near the juggernaut of um, Patriots, Bills, Ravens that they ended with last year. It's a softer schedule than they had last season. Um, you get some of the elite quarterbacks later in the year when that secondary has more time to gel. Overall, especially when you look at what they had last year, it's a favorable schedule. And, hey, it worked out pretty well for them last year, even with that tough schedule. Hey, Charlie, you know, the last two years they've started five and four. And I, and I know they've spent a lot of time in this offseason not really doing much. I mean, I think Zach Taylor's from the Sean McVay school of, you know, we're going to slowly integrate this. We've had long seasons, which is fair. But, I mean, do you think that they are going to take that same approach? If they start five and four this year, my only concern is can they overcome that for the third year in a row? So they started poorly in each of the last two seasons because my evaluation for schematic reasons not necessarily for guys being ready reasons. In 2021, it was Joe Burrow coming off the ACL injury and his lack of mobility and elusiveness for a team with a terrible offensive line. That was a terrible recipe for success, and it took them a while for Burrow to get comfortable the offensive line to gel and for the offense to find its final form. The start of last season, the Bengals, it was it was a, a mess when they were under shotgun, they threw the ball and when they were under center, they ran the ball and an offense that's that predictable isn't going to be consistent on top of inconsistency at both tackle spots. They completely changed their offense at the half or at that at the bye week, basically, or week five, really. They went all shotgun. They brought in a brand new run game, a lot of gap scheme. It really meshed with the way the offensive line was playing. And when you look at from week six on one of the most efficient offenses in football. And what I've heard is the Bengals are preparing, trying to be ahead of the game, looking at stuff that like the, the Dolphins are doing, the 49ers are doing to try to make their run game more consistent, their offense more consistent and their run game more in line with their passing game. Yeah, and he is Charlie Goldsmith. Also, I should point out, too, with that stretch, you know, Evan McPherson looked human the first few weeks of the <laughs> season. The last year, I mean, cost him, tossed him a game in week one and then was back to his excellent self uh, to wrap up the year. But uh, Charlie Goldsmith, again, doing great work in Cincinnati for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Give him a follow uh, on the Twitter machine at CharlieG underscore. Uh, enjoy the, the circus that is Cincinnati. I didn't even mention the CONCACAF Gold Cup quarterfinals next week. If 
I mean, if the U.S. are able to win their group, I believe they will go to Cincinnati, which would be quite the boon there for, uh, for, for the fans in the Queen City. So thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, enjoy this, uh, this incredible summer stretch there in your, in your city you cover. Thanks, Thanks for Charlie. Me. And we still have much more to get to here uh, on, on the show today. Uh, yeah, Taylor, Taylor Swift concert. You said what, Michael, was the stat uh, when, when she was at uh, Gillette Stadium uh, for I a weekend? I think she nets so? 120. I mean, when she was at Foxborough, I was told that she nets $120 million for the three concerts wow. she did up there. I mean, this is, you know, she's going to be the first billion-dollar entertainer. I mean, there's no question about it. Yeah. And people come from all over. And uh, tickets, I don't know what it was like uh, in Cincinnati, but tickets here in Philadelphia was almost impossible to get yeah i uh, i'm glad i did not have somebody begging me to uh, to take them and get tickets because i would have been like yikes I'm, that's, that's not me that's out of my that's out of my pay grade i can't I, not in the budget this year but luckily i did not not have to do that yeah will she be the super bowl performer in 2024 that's a question a lot of people uh, want to know i will right, continue the afc north talk we just talked some bengals how about the rest of the division we'll get michael thoughts on the other side here on the lombardi line There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSIN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And a big thanks to our first guest on the show today, Charlie Goldsmith. We'll have Vinny Maliulo, the Sports Betting Hall of Famer, coming up in about 45 minutes. He'll be joining us from over at the South Point. I'm Ben Wilson in for Femi. 
here at Circa with uh, Michael in his traditional setup uh, on the East Coast. And we're talking AFC North, Michael, because we, we had Charlie to break down the Bengals. Our new NFL betting guide is now out. And as we take a look at the North, my, my big question is, as great as Cincinnati is, and they are the rightful favorite this year, it's, to me, what are you getting out of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore offense with a new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin, who came in and in his, in his introductory press conference said all sorts of uh, very, uh, very aggressive things that would, that would make betters mouths water. Like, we want to go empty a ton with Jackson. We want to throw the ball downfield much, much more. How potent do you believe this Raven offense actually will end up looking in 2023? Well, the concern I have about the Ravens offense is is when you go from a run-based offense to a a spread it out, we're going to wing it all over the place, do you have the offensive line to press protect, to handle that? You know, Ronnie Stanley is one of their highest-paid players on their cap. He has a hard time staying healthy. And Morgan Moses is over 30 years old. He has a hard time staying healthy. Kevin Zeitler's over 30 years old. Are they going to be good enough in the offensive line to wing the ball around, you know? And will they not turn the ball over? Will they play to their defense? So, to me, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, they need to be more explosive. Yes, they need to run the ball. But this is – they need to throw the ball. But this is really a run-based team that could utilize more play action, more explosive plays. And how that all manifests itself will be interesting to see. So, you know, and then my question is on them too, Ben, besides the offensive, are they really good enough on defense? Are they really good enough on defense? I'm not sure about that. You know, I think they're good on defense. I don't think they're the, you know, we have this, this reputation for being this elite defense, right? And, Part of that being the elite defense is they run the ball, they slow the game down, they kind of control the pace. Are they really an elite defense? I, I don't know. I don't think they are. I think they will struggle. And I'm glad you used the word pace because you look at how the offense set up last year and thinking about an aging offensive line that has struggled with health over the past couple seasons. They were a very slow-paced offense last year. They ended up with the third most delay of game penalties in, in the league, they had eight of those. They averaged a play every 41.8 seconds of real time, fourth slowest rate in the league. So that's why I wonder, it's not just what the offense looks like under a new OC in Todd Munkin, but if they are going as up-tempo as he has said in every single media availability so far, like how does that change the entire dynamic of that team? Does that expose the defensive weaknesses you talk about, Michael? Does that make their offense all that more explosive? That's what, that's what I think is just so fascinating because it all, all, the, all the things we're hearing and reading is that you're going to see a much more open look, downfield passing, like run and gun, let's go quick tempo, and will that take – I would have to think, right, that's going to take time to at least get into a cohesive manner. And, and those first couple of weeks it might, might be a little shaky, to say the least, there for, for how Baltimore looks with, with such an exotic change and, and being so different than what their identity has been. Right, and so are they good enough on defense to kind of keep them in that? You know, I, I think that's the question. Who, you know, their corner situation. Look, Marlon Humphrey's a really good player, but he's a better slot corner than he is an outside corner. You know, so Yasin, the kid that they signed, who was a first-round pick, uh, you know, a, a, a second-round pick of the Colts, who was in Las Vegas last year, you know, that's not going to be pretty if he's got to play one-on-one man-to-man. That's a struggle. Brandon Stevens, can he play one-on-one? You know, Kyle Hamilton's not a safety. He's an, he's really a sub-backer, even though whatever pro football focus gave him as a grade, I mean, he's a sub-backer. He's not a safety. He's never playing in the middle of the field. So are they good enough on defense? I think that's the question. Where do they get the pressure? Yes, Roquan Smith's a good player. I don't doubt that. Bowser's a good player. They have some good players, but for the most part, to me, I think that's the question. I, I put it in the guide, Ben, and, and I'll – 
I just think to me, and I worry about their analytical approach. I worry about their decision-making. But I think the Browns are the most Mm. talented team and should rise to this, assuming Watson can play better. I mean, the most fascinating thing I've seen in my five years working at VEASAN is that Deshaun Watson is 30-1 to to win the MVP in the league, and Trey Lance, who's not even the starting quarterback, is 25-1. to Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I would say that would that is as wild as it gets from, from an odd standpoint. Because, uh, yeah, you have the Browns and Ravens each set with the well, same win total, nine and a half. Ravens are your second favorite. Browns third, Steelers fourth in the AFC North. The, just the last quick thing I wanted to bring up on, on the Ravens threat because I saw this quote from Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm as, I'm as much of an optimist as anybody. I root for, for human achievement. Lamar Jackson came out, Michael, and said, I want to throw for 6,000 yards this season. He's never <laughs> thrown for over 3,300. What what delusional world is he living in? Even if it is an up tempo, fire the ball downfield offense. That's crazy yeah, I mean, to me. Look, yeah, that, that, I mean that just shows you there's no realism. I mean it's just it's just okay. You know how's that going to happen? And you know I mean so but, I mean to me that's just a, a commentary on really no no one knowing. Basically, APA, you want to you want to put that in perspective? What the actual season long passing total prop is? If you want to bet that. 3,500 and a half for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And the over is plus money. You get plus money to take yeah. that over. Just gives you an idea. But yeah, on, on the Cleveland front, you think about a team that has, you mentioned some of the coaching decisions from Kevin Stefanski has, has, has baffled a lot of, of decision makers with his decision processes late in games. But what has to happen aside from Deshaun Watson returning to his, his prior top form when he was in Houston? What else do you, do you see having is the, is the really focal point if Cleveland is going to make a rise and, and end up uh, at least being a very, very legitimate contender to a uh, a preseason favorite in Cincinnati in that division. Well, I, I think more than anything, they got to win close games. I mean, they had no ability to win close games. I mean, the opening of the season they did. You know, they beat Cleveland, they beat Carolina in a close game. They come and they lose the Jet game. They have a huge lead on the Jets. They give up 14 points in the last two minutes of the game. They lose a two-point game to the Chargers. You know, they they lose a three-point game to the Ravens. They come back and, you know, and then they start, they can't kind of find a way to win close games. And that's the big issue. And a lot of it is their own doing. They, they you know, that Cincinnati game that, I mean, the New Orleans game, they, they lose 17. They had no business losing in New Orleans at that time of the year. They lose to Pittsburgh 28 to 14 at the end of the year. So to me, it starts with winning close games, right? That, that, and that's what started their season off. They lose to Atlanta on a field goal at the end of the game. The Chargers the same way. And until they get that situated, it's going to be really challenging. So, But I think they'll be better defensively especially rushing the passer. I think Miles Garrett will have a very good season with Zaria Smith on the other side. I think they'll play run defense much better. You know, last year they were sporadic in their ability to play run defense. Sometimes it was good. Second half of the season, it kind of wasn't as good. The last six, five games of the season, they gave up over at least 130 yards rushing per game, mm-hmm. when typically earlier in the year they did, but they had those meltdowns. I mean, they had these so inconsistent games. They gave up 220, 202 yards rushing to Atlanta, and then the next week they gave up 238 to to the Chargers, who don't even want to run the ball. Yep. So they got to fix those problems, Ben. And if you think too, like that, that if they're able to solve those issues, think about what they have on offense. It's not necessarily just the Deshaun Watson piece, although of course you're expecting a, a return back to higher form from him. I don't know that people really really appreciate what you know, what they have gotten. Just the 
the explosiveness from Nick Chubb, his ability to rack up more yards than expected. You, you like to give me a hard time for my love of analytics, but I, I was doing some, some diving on the, the running back group this year in the NFL. I, Nick Chubb led all running backs last year in, in the rush yards over expected metric by this insanely wide margin. And we look at him as just this kind of between the tackles bruising guy. He's better than that. People need to start giving Nick oh, Chubb more, much more that. credit. Oh, I think Nick Chubb's great. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like him so much. I mean, I think Nick Chubb is great. He can do everything. I think he doesn't even do enough in the passing game. But look, the bigger issue is, is if they don't slow down teams from running the ball, you know, it's going to be an issue. And they're so inconsistent in everything they did. And last year, Watson was just not good enough offensively. I mean, let's face it, he could not throw the football. So they've got their work cut out for him. But I'm with you on Chubb. I love Chubb. I love their skill players. I mean, they should be better than the 18th team in the National Football League in points scored. Yep, and, and you look at how it'll, it'll play out this year. They're up to 9.5 on the win total. Uh, about a coin flip to make or miss the playoffs. Misses a slight favorite at minus 120. Uh, the strength of schedule numbers, if you're going based on the posing Vegas win totals for these teams in the division, Baltimore hardest schedule, 21st, Cincinnati 20th, Cleveland 16th, and then Pittsburgh, who is your long shot. They do have the easiest schedule on the board by those win totals of 8th. We'll still have plenty more uh, AFC North and overall NFL previews to get to. We are now under 70 days from the start of the NFL season, September 7th, 2023. We'll talk some NFL headlines when we resume our number two. Two gets underway right after this on the Lombardi line. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 